Sudbury police errors put 13 child pornography cases into jeopardy. The overwhelming majority of people imprisoned in Ontario jails are legally innocent. Manulife and Loblaws ink a deal to force Manulife policyholders to only be able to get certain drugs at Loblaws pharmacies. And the IMF upgrades Russia's economic forecast, showing sanctions have done nothing. Good morning. It's Wednesday, January 31st. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. First to Sudbury this morning, where CBC's Eric White is reporting that problems with how the police conducted investigations has put 13 child pornography cases into jeopardy. Back in December 2021, information was shared in a Sudbury court related to problems with the Sudbury police force. The way that White writes it is that there were quote unquote systemic issues. He literally writes systemic in quotes and says systemic issues. One of those issues was that cops, quote, violated the constitutional rights of a suspect, something that has also happened the year before in another child sex exploitation case, unquote. The specific rights intrusion was this. Northern Ontario police who work with the Internet Child Exploitation Unit regularly asked suspects for passwords before the individual had a chance to talk to a lawyer. White reminds us that this violates the charter. When the information that these problems had jeopardized cases was shared in court, CBC journalists filed a Freedom of Information request to find out more, and they only just got those documents. There were 13 specific errors, including delays that violated the individual's right to a quick-as-possible trial. Sudbury's Inspector of Strategic Operations Robert Norman brushed off the problems, saying that only 13 was good, actually. Quote, there's no blaming here. There's no shaming. There's no ignorance or negligence in anything that we did. If there was, there would have been far more withdrawals. Unquote. The Sudbury police fought CBC's attempts to have the information released. Defense lawyer Michael Lacey is quoted reminding people that these issues are not just quote-unquote technicalities, but that police need to do things, you know, properly. Or, as he puts it, quote, to ensure that we don't engage in an ends-justifies-the-means approach to policing, unquote. Lacey says that the Sudbury police were particularly terrible in these so-called errors, in his experience working with police forces all across the province. Now, When we say that puts these cases in jeopardy, by and large, that means people who very likely did have child pornography on their computers, they can't be charged because of police negligence. Anyway, anytime we say defund the police, it's like stuff like this. These these investigations could be done by civilian bodies. My God. Anyway, next, we'll stay in Ontario and with policing and the justice system and courts. Data also obtained by Freedom of Information shows that 82% of people being held in Ontario jails are innocent. They are mostly awaiting trial. The report from CTV News' Abby O'Brien says that the split of the 9,000 people who are in prison on average in Ontario, just 15% of them have actually been sentenced. Here is what criminology professor Nicole Myers says about this. Quote, We have more people in our provincial jails who are supposed to be considered legally innocent than who have been convicted or found guilty and sentenced to be there. It should be absolutely alarming, but it's also entirely predictable, and that's because it has become an entrenched problem spanning almost 20 years now, unquote. 
The ministry of the Solicitor General did not respond to questions from CTV. O'Brien focuses on the new tighter bail laws that are taking effect and talks with experts about the fact that they don't actually do anything to improve public safety. They will also gum up the system further, which is at the core of why so many people are incarcerated during pretrial custody for so long. Because bail hearings used to be for the Crown to argue why a suspect should remain in custody, the onus has been shifted now so that the suspect has to demonstrate why they should be released. These are part of the reforms that have been brought in both by Doug Ford and the federal government to make bail, quote unquote, more strict. It's making hearings that used to last a few hours last for one or two days, says defense lawyer Allison Craig. And lawyers are having to file pages and pages, sometimes hundreds of pages of arguments to try and secure bail for their clients, says Craig, quote, these teams are filing dozens or hundreds of pages of submissions. They're turning into the trial. I've had clients cross-examined for two, three hours. It's become a character assassination, and that's not what bail is supposed to be about. It's simply to assess risk, unquote. O'Brien also notes that the state of the province's jails is terrible, that inmates were, quote, dying at an alarming rate, unquote, to say nothing about pest infestations, a lack of programs and services or recreational activities. Isn't this so obvious? None of this makes public safety better. And instead, it makes it far worse. It's worse for communities. It makes people more violent. It makes working conditions more dangerous. And it's all to appease this obsession that we collectively have with fake law and order. It's a sad joke, but it's demonstrative of where politicians are at right now, that they have no interest in fixing anything, that they'd much rather go the path of least resistance because being tough on crime sounds really great. It is a disaster for personal freedom. We have a right to be considered innocent before we are found guilty in a court. And if we're keeping people, we're warehousing people within prisons who are innocent. I mean, how do we justify that? We can't. Next to nationalish news, Manulife, the insurance company, has announced that it will only cover certain drugs if the policyholder fills the prescription at a Loblaws-owned pharmacy, which for the uninitiated mostly means shoppers. There are some 260 medications that fall under what Manulife calls its specialty drug care program. There are some 260 medications that fall under what Manulife calls its specialty drug care program, and those drugs treat various issues. The Canadian press's Sammy Houdis cites a bunch of the illnesses that are covered by these drugs, including, quote, rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's, multiple sclerosis, pulmonary arterial hypertension, cancer, osteoporosis, and hepatitis C, unquote. This kind of backwards collusion corruption is common in the United States, reports Houdis, and is, quote, growing in Canada, unquote. Houdis talks with a few experts who explain why, obviously, this is a plan that benefits Loblaws and Manulife the most. You know, like if you happen to live somewhere with no Loblaws pharmacy and you need drugs for your cancer treatments, you'd be, what, SOL? Oh, no, don't worry. Loblaws is going to mail them to you. No, Loblaws just wants market supremacy, obviously. Houdis also quotes two professors who think that the deal is great because Manulife can get Loblaws to offer perks, like someone with better knowledge about a particular drug within their pharmacies. U of T pharmaceutical economics professor Paul Grutendorst says this, quote, if anything, it's competition in action, unquote. 
and he's saying that like it's positive and yes mm -hmm, it's the kind of competition that is very common in Canada which leads to monopolies mm -hmm, yes that's very true Emily Veer spoke on behalf of Manulife saying something about how this provides quote-unquote more options and quote-unquote greater choice which are hilarious and bold-faced lies I don't actually understand how she could say this anyway Houdis mentions that this kind of scheme is illegal in Quebec, though there's no mention of whether or not that's related to the fact that Quebec kind of has a pharmacare program. These deals would be rendered impossible by pharmacare, which would also then beg another question. Where is the NDP? Considering that the major plank of their promise to prop up the Liberals forever was because they would win a pharmacare program. I mean, no one believed it, and we know that the whole plan is completely threatened and will probably never happen but still 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 anyway as i found out on twitter these deals are not so uncommon outside of quebec and someone pointed me to this other phenomenon telus health gobbling up family doctors and then patients having to pay out of pocket for access to their previous family doctors the bc medical services commission was reviewing telus health's practices back in june 2022 and by april 2023 TELUS Health was forced to stop offering physician services because that's what it takes here. Lawmakers intervening. And if you think it's a nightmare paying cell phone fees that we pay in this country because of our monopolies, oh boy, just wait until Rogers and Bell and TELUS are the only companies you can talk to to get a doctor. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay, folks, I hope that you're listening to the daily news and thinking about like, you know, revolutionary action and things that you can do to fight this stuff because that's why I do this. Okay. And finally, to new data from the International Monetary Fund that has found that war in the Ukraine has boosted Russia's economy. Russia's economy is set to grow at a higher rate than the IMF had previously predicted. And that growth is going to be fueled by military spending, reports the Financial Times. The GDP is expected to rise by 2.6% this year. That is more than double what the IMF had predicted back in just October. Russia had the highest economic forecast upgrade of any economy that the World Economic Outlook featured yesterday. And the countries they featured were like, you know, a lot of them. There was many, many countries, including the entire European Commission. Canada is also on the forecast list, and in case you are curious, the October 2023 forecast put Canada at just above 1.5% growth, and that has been adjusted down to just below 1.5% growth for 2024. The IMF also forecasted a higher expected rate increase in the United States economy, though not as high as Russia. If we contrast the IMF's forecast with Russia's own forecasts and the forecasts of the World Bank, well, we get the IMF being right in the middle. Russia forecasts economic growth of 3.5% in 2024, and the World Bank has the country down to 1.3%. That's kind of interesting because it means that we can get a bit of a sense as to whether or not we can believe Russia's forecasts. They're going to be higher probably, but not too much higher. And indeed, probably closer to what was correct than what the original IMF forecast was earlier in 2023. This update begs the question, of course, what was the point of all those sanctions again? Hmm. Good question, Nora. All right. Well, there you go. Those are your headlines for Wednesday, January 31st. I'm Nora. You are listening to this podcast at stadionora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed and anywhere you get your podcasts. Middle of the week and uh, tomorrow is uh, February 1st. So get ready to pay those bills and your rent. Sorry. I'll talk to you tomorrow.